Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This week on Revolt Black News. My three daughters were strangled and sexually assaulted. An RBN exclusive interview. The mother of the three little girls found brutally murdered in Texas speaks out. My kids deserve justice. She shares new information about the investigation, including claims officials never even brought the most obvious suspect in for questioning. And never before seen video of the fatal Tyree Nichols beating. What a Memphis judge had to say about releasing more than 20 hours of unseen footage from the savage police attack. When we saw and heard, we were surprised and shocked. Plus, a former college advisor to one of the disgraced officers shares new details about the alleged killer's past. Then I sit down with Tennessee Representative Justin Pearson. Why is gun violence so important to you? I buried a cousin at age 21 because he was shot and killed. We're talking about it all. His meteoric rise into the national spotlight, his candid response to those questions about his authenticity, and why he's risking it all for gun violence laws. Plus, the new Princess of Hollywood, the incomparable Halle Bailey, is here in our Revolt Studios. This has been a long journey. I auditioned for this film when I was 18. I'm 23 now. How she's poised to do what very few black women have ever done in entertainment. All that and more as the Black News Revolution starts right now. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mara Escampo. We begin with a child killer on the loose in East Texas. It's been more than 10 months since three sisters were found dead in a rural pond, brutally murdered, sexually molested, and officials haven't made a single arrest. Now, in an exclusive audio interview with Revolt Black News, the girl's mother shares new details about the investigation, what happened the moment her children's bodies were discovered, and why she believes the last person seen with them has never been questioned. My name is Shamanique Wilkerson. My three daughters were found murdered in a pond in Cass County behind my house. Speaking about the case on camera for the first time ever, the mother of the three Texas sisters killed last summer is pleading for help. If there is any information on who took my kids to the woods and threw them in a pond and did unbearable things that was not called for to any child, um, cause my kids deserve justice. Shamanique Wickerson was at work on July 29th when she got a call telling her that three of her six children were missing. Investigators said they found their bodies in a pond behind me. Within hours, the bodies of nine-year-olds Ariel Robinson Oliver, eight-year-old Amaya Hughes, and five-year-old Tamari Robinson Oliver were found in a pond just 500 feet away from the family's home. Initially, I was told that they had drowned, uh, accidental drowning, but after the autopsy report came out, I was told that they were strangled. Um, they had lacerations to their faces. 
and they were also, yes, sexually assaulted. Shamanique also spoke with us over the phone, sharing for the first time what happened the moment she learned her children were gone. I ended up having a heart attack when I pulled one of my kids out. So I had to end up getting rushed to the hospital. And then I was told that they pulled out the other two while I was at the hospital. I was heavily sedated when they told me that they pulled the other two out. Were you present when they pulled the first one out? I was at my house in the yard by the fence. I didn't get to see them pull her out. They just came up there and told me that they pulled one of them out and they described one of my kids to me and then I'm like, that's Amaya. That was my eight-year-old. What is the latest that you've been told about the investigation into the murder of your girls? That they're still investigating it. There's no, there's nothing that they could give me is what I've been told. There have been a number of questions about how officials in Cass County, Texas have handled this case. The girls were discovered on July 30th, just hours after they vanished. But officials didn't tell the public they had been killed until March, almost eight months later. The DA says that case is now a homicide investigation. On March 27th, I spoke directly to Cass County District Attorney Courtney Shelton. During that call, she told me the reason the public wasn't notified sooner about a child killer on the loose in their community is because there had been a delay in getting the autopsy back. But in a press release issued three weeks after our call, the district attorney's office says that just a few days after the deaths, the preliminary autopsy report stated cause of death was homicide. We requested a copy of the autopsy, but were denied pending a ruling from the state attorney general because the investigation is still ongoing and involves juvenile victims. Have you requested the autopsy? I have, but I got denied, but they didn't give me a reason to be denied. Most shockingly, Shamanique revealed that the most obvious suspect hasn't even been brought in for questioning. Who was the last person who was with the girls? Um, a family member that's been staying with us for almost two years, my cousin, Paris. These pictures of an injured props were posted online after an alleged confrontation with police in 2018. Shamanique revealed exclusively to Revolt Black News that Paris does appear to be a focus of the investigation. The police did have a warrant for DNA for my cousin, Paris Props, but it was not executed. Paris has a long criminal history going back almost 10 years for various offenses, including drug possession, weapons charges, tampering with evidence, and promoting prostitution. Had he watched the girls before? Yes. He's had always you, watched them. Have you ever had any issues with him? No, ma'am. What did your four-year-old be? Uh, all she said was that the girls that that pretty much the girls went into the wood with Paris. And she just kept repeating it over and over and over. To your knowledge, have has law enforcement questioned Paris? Uh, they talked to him at the house the day after, but ever since after that, no. To your knowledge, has Paris been arrested? No. Has he been brought into a police no. station? No. Have you asked 
them why they have not arrested the last person seen with your children? They don't have enough evidence to even bring anyone in, but they and refuse you, to do anything. And did you talk to him at all after that point? I tried, but he wouldn't answer us at the house. He was just, he was just sitting on the porch with a hoodie on and a hood over his head. Not looking, not answering, not talking. A lot of people would want to take justice into their own hands in that circumstance. Looking at the person oh. who was last seen with their child and they are not answering your questions, your children. Looking at the person who was last seen with your children and they refuse to tell you what they know. How did you restrain yourself? I thought about it. I did. I really did. But then I had to think who's going to take care of my other kids if I would have done something crazy. Shamanique has started a GoFundMe to help care for her three surviving children, who she says are really struggling, especially the four-year-old who last saw her sisters, who can be heard in the background of Shamanique's video. And I tied. She just wakes up now screaming and uh, crying for Zah, which is my nine-year-old. What is it that you need right now? What are the resources that you need? Uh, I'll say time off for a month or so, but probably counseling maybe to help cope because they get counseling, but I'm, my oldest one probably will need a little bit more than my younger ones. We reached out to the Texas Rangers, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and the District Attorney's Office, and we're told that there are no updates on the investigation. What would you say to the District Attorney? If my kids were a different color, it'll be a different story. They would not be lounging around, dragging their feet, taking their time. If a white head, a blonde-headed white girl or blonde-headed white boy were killed, the person that was watching them could have been my color. They would have been in jail that same night. But since that's not the case, they don't really care. This is Cass County. Cass County don't care about black people. They never have, they never will. Shamanique says she has asked for the FBI to take over, but Cass County officials don't seem to want to bring any other agencies in. You can find more information about the GoFundMe account on the Revolt Black News Instagram page. Well, coming up after the break, new developments in the Tyree Nichols case and an exclusive interview with Scorpion Unit Officer Emmett Martin's former college advisor. What Pastor Joshua Harper now thinks of his former students. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back. There are major updates in the Tyree Nichols case. As Nichols' family fights for justice, prosecutors have shockingly revealed there are more than 20 hours of unreleased video and audio footage of the police beating. Since Nichols' killing, all eyes have been on the now deactivated Scorpion unit of the Memphis PD. So far, not much personal information about the individual officers has been reported. But Revolt Black News tracked down a former college advisor of one of the disgraced officers, and what he had to say may surprise you. 
they didn't even have the courage mm. to look at me in my face. Mm. They're going to see me at every court day. That was Tyree Nichols' mother vowing to hold the five Memphis police officers caught on camera beating her son accountable. Tyree's family commissioned an independent autopsy report that found Tyree died of blunt force trauma, the manner of death, homicide. Gentlemen, each of your attorneys have entered pleas of not guilty on your behalf. All five officers, members of the now deactivated Scorpion unit, pled not guilty to second degree murder in the violent arrest that ultimately led to his death. Get on the ground! One, now! Not much personal information has been reported about the police involved, but Revolt Black News spoke with someone who knew Officer Emmett Martin personally. I met Emmett around 2009, 2010. Uh, he came to Bethel University in Tennessee on a football scholarship. I was his enrollment counselor. Pastor Joshua Harper remembers Martin as a mannerable young football player. Good kid, always likable. When we saw and heard that he was involved, we were surprised and shocked. I remember, you know, just kind of keeping up with social media. He had talked about being on the police uh, force and how he was enjoying it and, you know, being able to, to do things that he enjoyed. He always talked a lot about his daughters. I saw him still, you know, seemingly doing well. Pastor Harper says that although he remembers Martin as a, quote, good kid and generally likable, after seeing the video footage of Tyree's brutal beating, he believes something changed. It was pretty um, shocking on one end, but at the same token, it wasn't too shocking because again, under, under the duress of a badge, you know, people can uh, change and do some things that that is just not, uh, obviously, it's not even humane. Well, it's a white supremacy issue. Policing, police departments were birthed out of slave patrols. These slave patrols had enslaved uh, people helping them capture slaves. So it's not uh, anything that's abnormal from the historical uh, significance of what policing is. And so it's, it's white supremacy. White supremacy in policing has reemerged as a big topic of conversation as the nation continues to question modern day policing. According to a 2022 Gallup poll, only 19% of black people living in this country have confidence in policing and only 11% have confidence in the justice system. In the case of Tyree Nichols, when news spread that the officers were black, it created a hurtful reality that some African-Americans still find hard to confront. I'm the police. I'm going to You just live here. In the 2001 film Training Day, Denzel Washington's character, Detective Alonzo Harris, represented the type of crooked cop that many in the black community say is an unfortunate reality. You mean to tell me why they was beating this man not one of them say, yo, come on, that's enough. It's a brother, that's enough. No, they didn't do that. You know why? Because they stuck to the badge. I definitely think if it were five white police officers, they wouldn't have been as expedient and fast moving and uh, removing them and releasing them off the force as they were with these particular black police officers. 
Another surprising turn in the case of Tyree Nichols is the reported 20 hours of additional unseen footage of his beating. Currently, there's already almost 70 hours of footage and a total of four different cameras that show the violence Tyree Nichols endured while in police custody. But earlier this month, a judge blocked the additional 20 hours of unseen footage and about 2,500 pages of documents. The judge asked prosecutors to outline the information they think should and should not be released to the public and then give the list to defense attorneys. Some experts are saying this could be crucial to Tyree's case. The thinking is already, well, isn't the worst of it out there? Haven't we already seen the worst? Attorney Sheila Huggins says not only is this footage crucial to the case, it may be coming from a source that could shock us all. There has been some indication about a possible witness who may have overheard or seen some of what happened when Mr. Nichols was being beaten. Now, I've heard a couple of theories, and one is that, hey, it was somebody's camera on their house that picked up some of this, but that's not what is reflected in the document. The documents actually say that there is another party or witness who heard some of these comments and statements and saw what happened. That information is not in any of the decertification records that I saw. There is just this reference to who this witness is. So it's not clear to me whether this was an actual person or whether this was a person who was recording with their device or this house device that may have, may have catched some of this. It caught a lot of what was going on, and it is probably something that is going to be presented during the trial, entered as evidence, and in order to further show some of what the prosecution needs to show in order to get a conviction here. The judge in the Nichols case didn't permanently close the door on eventually releasing the additional footage from the attack, saying he wants to make as much of it public as possible. So we'll keep following this case closely and we will keep you updated with any new developments. Coming up on Revolt Black News, Tennessee Representative Justin Pearson has only been back in his seat a few weeks and he may be about to lose it again. I sat down with him to discuss his battle to win re-election, the woman by his side, the questions about his authenticity, and being called by some the future of the Democratic Party. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. But each and every one of you are proof that we will not be silent.
Welcome back. It's been almost two months since two black Tennessee lawmakers were kicked out of their seats, expelled for leading anti-gun violence protests. They've been temporarily reappointed to their seats, but they're now facing a special election to win them back for good. I sat down with one of the two, Representative Justin Pearson, for a wide-ranging interview about the issue he's risked his political career on and questions from white and black people about his authenticity. As declared. As declared. By the Constitution. By the Constitution. Of this state. Of this state. Of Tennessee. Of Tennessee. So help me God. So help me God. Yeah. You have been reappointed to the seat you were expelled from, but that's temporary. Mm -hmm. You do have to go through an election. Are you concerned about challengers in that election and potentially losing the seat? Mm -hmm. Yes. Anyone who runs for office, you have to be prepared to lose. Justin Pearson is in an unexpected political battle. This body hereby expels Justin J. Pearson from his seat as a member of the House of Representatives of the 113th General Assembly of the state of Tennessee. The 28-year-old had been in office for just a few months when he and fellow Representative Justin Jones were expelled on April 6th by the Republican-controlled House, largely white and male, for breaking House procedural rules. We need action. We need action. Power to the people. The people who march. The people who speak up. The people who advocate. You can't come to the well, bring your friends, and throw a temper tantrum with an adolescent bullhorn. Pearson, Jones, and Representative Gloria Johnson had been leading calls for gun reform on the House floor days after a gunman killed six people, including three children, in a mass shooting on March 27th at the Covenant School, a Christian school in Nashville. Only Pearson and Jones, both black and in their 20s, were expelled. The expulsion made national news. Tennessee has only expelled lawmakers a handful of times. Instantly making Pearson one of the most recognizable politicians in the country. Right now, what we are seeing is the erosion of our democracy. What's the dynamic like working with the people who voted to expel you? I mean, they haven't changed, right? You still have people who are governed and guided by white supremacy and patriarchy and control and power and abusing power over other people. I think what is different is the movement of people that has risen up, Gen Z, young millennials, who are refusing to accept this status quo as the way that things have to be. And something President Biden did share with me as a piece of advice that he was given was you have to know what you're willing to lose for. And the reality is, uh, if we're going to lose because we're advocating for justice, because we're advocating for every person to be able to be free in their community without the fear of gun violence, if we're going to lose for those issues, then I am willing to do that. We did nothing but came to this floor to say we need to listen to the constituents who are asking for us to end gun violence. You're risking your political career on this issue. Why is gun violence so important to you? It's important to me because I have experienced the effects of gun violence. I buried a cousin at age 21 because he was shot and killed. Last fall, I buried Dr. Yvonne Nelson. She was one of the first supporters I ever had in the environmental justice movement from gun violence. And this January, I went to Larry Thorne's funeral uh, and our family helped to pay for it uh, because he was killed from gun violence. He and I graduated from high school together 10 years ago. Uh, and somehow at the same time that uh, uh, we're being elected, we're planning for a funeral. This does not make sense and this is not right. And we know in our hearts that something can be different. We know that good legislation can help to prevent gun violence from happening. And it doesn't make any sense that in this country, of so many smart people, of so much opportunity and possibility, so many folks are not being able to grow old because we are failing to act. 
Why do you think more politicians haven't stepped up and said, we have to do something? They're afraid of the gun lobbyists. Their constituents want just laws. Over 70% of people in Tennessee want red flag laws. Over 70% of Tennessee across different spectrums, different identities, gun owners and non-gun owners want to see legislation that ensures that their kids come home safe, that they go to a bank and that they don't get murdered. A majority of people want that. But the gun lobbyists seem to have a hold on the Republican Party of Tennessee in such a way that it is strangulating democracy. We know there are laws that could fix a problem. And the people who have the power of the pen, as it were, to, to fix the problem, say, all I can do is give thoughts and prayers. And these are the same people who said, you know what's a danger to children in Tennessee? Drag shows. That is harming children. And they wrote 20 plus laws targeting the LGBTQIA community this past session. But not guns, not AR-15s, not all these assault weapons and weapons of war, that's not harming children. There's no way that you actually believe a drag show is more dangerous to a child than a person going into a school with an AR-15 and killing them. And oftentimes, the people carry in their minds, this is a black people problem. Gun violence is an urban, inner city black people problem. This isn't something white folk need to worry about, especially not rich white folk. And then, uh, mass shooting happens at a conservative Christian school that costs about $14,000 a year to go to. You can't keep the same perspective after you get proximate and you realize that gun violence is all of our problem. A lot of people do think of gun violence as an inner city problem, as a black people problem, as a poor people problem. Right. Uh, when it comes to Memphis specifically, you know, this city is majority black. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been estimated that 70% of violent crime here involves a gun. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that people generally don't seem to care as much about mm -hmm. violence that's taking place in black communities as they do when, say, a mass, a mass shooting mm -hmm. happens, mm -hmm. as opposed to many people being shot in the hood. But exactly. <laughs> and this is what part of the conversation that we have to expand, right? I'm deeply concerned about mass shootings, just as much as Covenant as uh, what the Waffle House several years ago. Uh, and I'm very concerned about everyday shootings because Southwest Memphis doesn't have a single gun manufacturer. And yet we have all of these guns in our neighborhoods and communities. We have some of the people who've been made the poorest because of the lack of wages and yet have been able to access weapons. Where are they coming from? Who is bringing them into our neighborhoods and communities? And something tells me they don't look a whole lot like the people that I represent in District 86. And so the reason that I think there is a lack of care and concern about the everyday violence experienced in our communities is because white people in particular think that it is the fault of the individuals who are suffering from gun violence who are to blame. Are you hopeful, though, that anything will actually change? Yeah, I remain uh, eternally hopeful and eternally optimistic that the status quo that we are living in is not the one that we're going to die in. And you can't doubt the impact of proximity to the issue of gun violence. Dr. Catherine Kuntz, who led Covenant School, was a close family friend of the governor's. Somehow, when you get proximate to the people, who are suffering, when you're proximate to folks who are going through pain, when you're proximate to people who are being impoverished, when you're proximate to people who are experiencing gun violence, you cannot keep the same perspective that you had when it was just a straw man, a straw figure. It is possible and it is important that we find a way uh, to remove individuals who are a threat to themselves or to our society, to remove them from access to weapons. Days after the Justins were expelled, Tennessee's Republican Governor Bill Lee asked lawmakers to pass a red flag law to keep guns away from those who pose a risk to themselves or others. 
and announced he'd bring lawmakers back for a special session to focus on gun reform later this summer. How much credit do you take for what's happening? I don't really take much credit at all. I give credit to those who have taken this tragedy of the killing of people in Nashville Covenant School. Uh, six people, three children who were just nine, year old, nine years old, they've taken this tragedy and said that we will not, not, not uh, wallow in the tragedy, but rather we will be triumphant in spite of it. Now, you started your political career in college. Mm -hmm. You looked a little different then. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Justin J. Pearson, and I'm running for president of BSG. You were sworn in in a dashiki. Yeah. Now you wear your hair out. It's natural. Tell me about your political evolution. Yeah, I am fully and 100% Justin J. Pearson. I always have been. Uh, but the reality is, as you grow up, you continue to learn more. You continue to experience more. You explore more of the world. And you build yourself into the person that you know God's calling for you to be. My Savior, my black Jesus. He was lynched by the government on Friday. And they thought that all hope had been lost. So a lot of people don't trust politicians sure. to begin with, and then they see this evolution and they question its authenticity. Mm -hmm. you know, they wonder, is this something that you're doing just to be electable? Mm -hmm. how, how would you answer that, that yeah. criticism, that suspicion? I mean, yeah, that suspicion typically comes from these white racist people, particularly one from Tucker Carlson, who's no longer uh, employed, uh, last I checked. And so I, I, I don't uh, give him a lot of credence, nor uh, his audience or viewership. And in what ways do you think you're going to be different as a, as a Gen Z politician? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for the many people who marched for hundreds and thousands of miles uh, in order to create opportunities like this one. And I also think about, you know, in the civil rights movement, how little credit black women were really given for the contributions that they made. Uh, and the reality is every movement is powered by black women which is why my mother is so important and, and my fiance is so important and my team's leadership is all black women, uh, the senior leadership of our team. Black women lead movements uh, and so I think prioritizing the voices of black women is something that we're going to do differently. You mentioned your fiance. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people have noticed a, a beautiful lady standing yeah. near you during always. interviews and press conferences. Yeah. You know, as a woman, that's the part that I'm always curious about is the yeah. woman behind the man. Tell, oh, can you tell me a little bit? She's not behind. She's beside, <laughs> in front of. She's amazing. Ocean A. R. Gilliam. That's my best friend in the whole world. Some say Pearson's fiance, Ocean A. Gilliam, is also his best political asset. She's his chief of staff and has been a major part of his new political career. The thing that I really appreciate about Justin is that he's all about the we, and it's not just about um, himself. He really cares about District 86 and his home of, of, of Memphis and Westwood. That's his number one priority, is to figure out how is it that we actually help our most marginalized people. They met in 2016 at Princeton, but reconnected during the social justice protests of 2020. How significant has she been in your, your political career? She's been everything. I mean, she moved to Memphis uh, from L.A. once we launched. And from then till now, she really has made Memphis and Tennessee home. So going from Memphis to Nashville and all that um, to really like, motivate and inspire and, and move people in this movement forward. Now here we are. Here you are, yeah. planning a wedding. Yeah, well enjoying being engaged. Uh, <laughs> the wedding is some date in the future. So we're gonna do some small in LA sooner and then some bigger in Memphis for, for everybody to come to. Now you've done some traveling. You've mm -hmm. gone to some other states. You're, you're received very warmly where you, wherever you go right now. What, what does the future look like for you? Do you? Are you interested in national politics? I'm interested in serving District 86. Any point in the future, does it interest you, the idea of going to Washington? District 86, Tennessee State House, votejustinj.com. That's where you can help us out to do that.
Memphis voters will hit the polls on June 15th to decide if Pearson is heading back to the state house. We will be following that election here on Revolt Black News. When we come back, Halle Bailey's ascent into rare air. Our Kennedy Rue talks to Hollywood's newest superstar about her historic rise. You don't want to miss this. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. That's Halle Bailey making waves as the Little Mermaid. She sat down with our Kennedy Rue, and Kennedy is here now to tell us all about that conversation. Kennedy? Yes, Mara. Halle Bailey as the Little Mermaid blew away the box office on its opening weekend to the tune of more than $118 million, making her Hollywood's newest it girl and now a bona fide movie star. She stopped by Revolt Studios Atlanta to talk to me about everything from her solo career to her relationship with her sister Chloe to what she thinks about being compared to the most legendary women in entertainment. She makes it look so easy. Always poised on the red carpet, proudly posing at each premiere of The Little Mermaid, from Hollywood to London. But what Halle Bailey has accomplished at the age of 23 is nothing short of remarkable. Critics say this role will undoubtedly make you a movie star. How does it feel to hear that sort of praise? It feels amazing to hear that sort of praise, honestly, because, you know, this has been a long journey, a long time coming. I auditioned for this film when I was 18, and I'm 23 now. A man was drowning. I had to save him. This obsession with humans has to stop. She is the first black actress in Disney history to portray Ariel, rocking her real locks in the film. I want to talk about the importance of showcasing our natural hair in film and television. Yes. Why was that so important for you? Wow. Well, I know you know because mm -hmm. we're friends. Right. But when, when I was little, I've had my locks since I was little, mm. and you know. Our crowns are like really important to us, especially as black women. And I felt like that was a piece of me, of Hallie, that I was bringing to this new Ariel as well. Mm -hmm. But it's so important for us to be able to see that because as children, as babies, as anyone, when you look and you can see somebody that's similar to you with your hair texture, it's so beautiful when you're like, wow, I see myself in this person. But it's more than just making history. Hallie is going from music star to movie star, and from one half of the duo Chloe and Hallie to just a solo star. She is also just one of a handful of black women who have successfully made the leap from teen star to adult movie star. It's Dorothy Dandridge, Beyonce, and Diana Ross, <laughs> to name a few. When you hear your name compared to the likes of those icons, how does that feel for you? 
Oh, wow. Honestly, when I hear my name compared to them, I'm like, no way. What the <laughs> heck? Because those women I look up to so much yeah. and are a big reason why I'm even here today. You know, they were the ones who broke down the doors and barriers yeah. for me to be here. So it means a lot. Hallie grew up in Atlanta, one of four children, including older sister Chloe. The two of them shot to fame as the music duo Chloe and Hallie in 2015 after Beyonce discovered their covers on YouTube. Just another stage, pageant the pain away. Hallie was just 17 at the time. Just with the crew, we're not here looking for boo. some nights be better with you. Five years later, Beyonce presented them with the Rising Star Award at Billboard's Women in Music. I am so, so proud of you. You've done this with authenticity, with grace, with raw talent, and you managed to shine in every room you enter. She and her sister also branched out into acting, playing twins on the blackish spinoff, Grownish. Oh, chat us on a strict no carb diet this summer for training. Mm -hmm. Respect the bitch. Mm -hmm. But The Little Mermaid is the first big project Hallie has tackled on her own. It was truly a transition for me because I had never done anything like this before. Yeah. I'm used to singing and performing and yeah. being on tour and on stage is my comfort zone. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I'm like, I'm just gonna ride this wave, do this all my life. And yeah. then this came along and I'm like, whoa, okay, do mm -hmm. I have it in me? Can I do this? Talk to me about how you navigate kind of these big career and lifestyle transitions, but make it look so seamless. My sister helps me through everything in my life. Out of the two of us, I'm the baby sister. Mm -hmm. So parting away from her when I had to go film this movie was like, oh my gosh, this is so new. I've never done this. I miss my right arm. Yeah. And you know, she was there for me every step of the way. We'd FaceTime every single day. And you know, she's been uh, one of my big champions to be like, girl, you can do it, you get your wings and fly. When you were getting ready to make that transition from recording artist to movie star, was it hard for people in general to see you in that different light? Was it hard for directors to see you in that different light? Did you feel like you kind of had to prove that you were ready for that next step? Absolutely, I think with anything, when you enter kind of a new field that you've never been in before, mm -hmm. people are kind of looking at you like, okay, let's see what she got, you know? Because I've never done this, so for all I know, I could have been terrible. <laughs> Today, our teacher talks about a place called Africa. She say our mamas come from Queens over there. If her next film is any indication of where her career is going, Hallie could be well on her way to a career similar to that other Hallie who recently tweeted that she's honored to share a name with the very talented and super sweet Hallie Bailey. Later this year, Halle Bailey will co-star in the remake of The Color Purple, co-starring Fantasia and Taraji P. Henson. And they all became like my aunties and just so kind to me and lifting me up. And Fantasia's an angel. She's an angel inside and out. And I cannot wait for people to see her performance because she is a star. It was just iconic. I mean, I was just a fan on that set and grateful that I could be in the midst of this amazing, beautiful black cast. 
This 2023 version is based on the Broadway play, so it is a musical produced by the Oprah Winfrey. Yes, Oprah Winfrey is the OG Sophia. That's the role that earned Oprah her first Oscar nomination. But can I backtrack for just a second and talk about how awesome it is to see Halle Bailey taking her place in Disney princess history and the best part of all, Kennedy, seeing all those little brown girls so excited to see her as the Little Mermaid. I know, it's been so rewarding to watch her truly embody this role. Absolutely. All right, we have a lot more coming up after the break. We'll be right back. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For black kids, childhood ends much too soon. This week in Columbia, South Carolina, a 14-year-old black boy was shot and killed by a convenience store owner who accused him of stealing bottled water. 58-year-old Rick Chow now charged with murder in the case of Cyrus Carmack Belton. The child was chased by Chow after leaving the store. He was shot in the back. He was killed while running for his life. And as it turns out, he had not stolen anything. It's just the latest case of a black child being brutalized by an adult. Last week in Indianola, Mississippi, 11-year-old Adarian Murray suffered a collapsed lung, fractured ribs, and liver damage after being shot in the chest by a police officer. The boy's family says the officer may have confused the child for a grown man. He's not even five feet tall. In April, 17-year-old Ralph Yarl was shot by a Kansas City homeowner for accidentally showing up at the wrong house and politely ringing the doorbell. Thankfully, he survived, but his aunt says he's a shell of himself. We saw it on a much smaller scale with so-called city bike Karen, Sarah Jane Comrie. Please help me help! The pregnant nurse who got into a dispute with a black teen over a rented bike. She's since started a GoFundMe to defend herself against accusations of being a Karen. She says she has the receipts to prove that the bike was hers. Oh, Karen, that's not the point. You're a grown woman who tried to physically wrestle a bike away from a child, screamed for help as though you were in danger, and then pulled out one of the most dangerous weapons in America, white women's tears. We've seen it time and again, from Tamir Rice to Michael Brown to Trayvon Martin. Black kids don't get to be kids. They are viewed as adults and therefore a threat before they even graduate from elementary school. And that is the ultimate commentary on race in America. Because if a child can't be presumed innocent, what hope is there for the rest of us? That wraps it up for us. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, Revolt on YouTube, our Revolt Black News podcast, and download the Revolt app. Until next time, have a good night, everybody.
Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.